What is going on, everyone? Casey Adams here. Welcome back to the Rise of the Young podcast. On today's episode, we have Andrew D'Souza here with us. Andrew D'Souza is the CEO and founder of ClearBank. Prior to ClearBank, Andrew has raised hundreds of millions of dollars in venture capital and is an advisor and investor to companies such as WealthSimple, Properly, and Tulip Retail. Prior to ClearBank, Andrew was the president of Nimi, a wearable platform focused on identity and security and the COO of education startup Top Hat. If you're not familiar with ClearBank, they offer startups an alternative to VC in the form of non-dilutive revenue share agreements, coupling data and machine learning technology. ClearBank is quick to make decisions about potential investments and has invested more than $1 billion into 3,300 plus companies to date. With that being said, please take a moment and subscribe to the podcast. Share this episode with a friend because I know you are going to love it. And last but not least, enjoy today's episode with Andrew D'Souza. All right, what is going on, everyone? Casey Adams here. Welcome back to the Rise of the Young podcast. On today's episode, we have Andrew D'Souza here with us, the CEO and founder of ClearBank. Thanks so much for coming on, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So first off, I'm not only very familiar with ClearBank, but what you guys have created for founders is quite phenomenal. I know in a recent Crunchbase article, the way that the way they described it is you guys offer startups an alternative to VC in the form of non-dilutive revenue share agreements. I'd love for you to go over what you guys have created for founders because you guys have not only brought so much growth to different companies, but you guys are really making a name for yourself. I appreciate that. Yeah, look, I mean, I, you know, I spent the last decade of my career uh, raising capital and, and uh, you know, I, I was, you know, I, I was not from sort of Silicon Valley. My family moved to, to Canada when I was very young and studied engineering and then moved out to Silicon Valley in 2010. And across the last four businesses, I've probably taken a thousand investor meetings and seeing the good, the bad and the ugly, um, you know, mostly the amount of time that it takes to raise, you know, to raise capital. Um, you know, I remember, you know, you're getting on planes, you're spending several months meeting investors, pitching, and then eventually, you know, you give up a huge chunk of your business. Uh, you know, I, I always talk about like half my job has been raising capital, half the job was spending capital. And I think, you know, it just, it just ends up being this, this constant cycle of, you know, you give up a bunch of your business, then you have investors you've got to manage. And I think there's a real important place for venture capital and equity in, in building a, building a sort of startup. Um, when you're trying to de-risk the business, when you're investing in R and D and product development, you're kind of like, I'm not sure if this is going to work, but once you're investing in sales and marketing, and once it's like, or things like inventory or things like infrastructure, where it's like, look, I put a dollar in, you know, more than a dollar comes out. Right. And yeah. there's not that much risk anymore equity starts to feel very expensive and debt starts to feel very risky, right? Cause even at the, you know, at the later stage, it comes with personal guarantees and covenants. And if you trip up a covenant, then you lose your business or you could lose your home. And so what we really created was something that sits in between, which says, look, for the repeatable parts of your business, let us fund it on a revenue share because you know that the revenue is going to come. You've got a lot of confidence. We'll ride the ups and downs of the seasonality and the revenue share with you. So for things like marketing, um, which we've been doing now for several years is, you know, we funded over billion dollars of marketing capital. We'll give you $100,000 to spend on marketing. Uh, you give us 5% of your sales until you give us 106 back. Um, and that's the typical deal structure, right? Wow. And, you know, it could take six months. It could take 12 months. 
Um, but uh, you know, we put out over a, over a billion and a half dollars through that product. Um, we'll go f- as low as 10,000 all the way up to $10 million to fund a business like that. Um, and that's sort of the first product that we created. And we recently launched an inventory product, which does the same thing. We say, we'll buy your inventory for you. You pay us back as every unit sells and, uh, and we'll, we'll hold the risk, uh, you know, alongside you. And so, you know, that's the real goal here has been, you know, to help, help, uh, be a partner to founders and help them give them some more options. Love that, man. And you guys have done quite that for sure. I, I think it says on the website of 3,300 plus online businesses you guys have, have invested into. Yeah. What was the first, you know, first 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 businesses that you guys invested into when you were proving the concept? And for people that don't know, when did ClearBank launch? Yeah, so we started in 2015, um, really with this mission of helping sort of online and digital entrepreneurs. And, you know, we did a lot of, we, we, we started with gig economy, like, you know, Uber drivers and DoorDash drivers. And we started with, yep. um, with Airbnb hosts and people that are running vacation rental businesses. But e-commerce really started in 2017. We, we started to scale. Um, and that's where we found, you know, we found a lot of, a lot of demand and a lot of need for our products. Um, my co-founder is on the Canadian version of Shark Tank called Dragon's Den, yep. uh, Michelle. And I remember the first, you know, one of the first businesses we did actually was a company from the show who was coming on and they were like, look, you know, they built these like, you know, artisan iPhone cases made out of like, you know, balsa wood. And they were going to sell 50% of their business for like $200,000 or something. Yep. And Michelle's <laughs> like, why don't we just, why don't I just give you the money? Uh, and then you give us, you give me a share of the revenue till, until I make my investment back plus a return we can negotiate. Um, she's like, I don't want you to sell. Like the, the other challenge with, you know, owning a part of the business is then at some point you've got to sell it. Right. And so it was his father son team. And they're like, they don't want to sell the business. And yeah. so we've got to be able to structure this so that we can invest in the company. We can help them grow. Um, but we don't need to, we don't need them to go and sell the business. We don't need them to go IPO for us to get our money back. Um, and so those were the first, the first handful of businesses were, you know, online businesses yep. that, uh, you know, where equity investments didn't necessarily make sense. I love that. And, um, I know you guys specialize in mainly online businesses. Do you guys plan on venturing off into different sectors of businesses? Yeah. So we do, we started in just e-commerce, you know, consumer e-commerce. Um, we've launched into digital products and software businesses. We have a whole B2B SaaS team now that is, that is funding, um, you know, B2B and, and subscription, uh, SaaS, SaaS companies. Um, and now we're, we're starting to explore other, you know, other verticals, but to be honest, in today's world, every business is a digital business, yeah. right? You have to, <laughs> have to think of yourself as e-commerce first. Uh, and so that's really what we focus on. And we focus on businesses that can, that can use our capital to scale. Yep. Right. So if you're a restaurant and you can only serve customers within, you know, a certain number of miles from your restaurant, it's probably not a good use. But if you're selling a product or a service online that you can sell to anybody in the world, um, then we're going to be a great partner. Yep. I love that. How does it work with SaaS companies? Is it, you know, for e-commerce, it's inventory and ad spend is it the same for, for SaaS companies, but more so for their digital product or the service that they're offering? It's, it's, uh, I mean, if you think about it, it's, you know, the equivalent is sales and marketing, right? So it's customer acquisition and infrastructure, right? So it's like, okay, you know, my AWS and my, you know, my, uh, services that I use to build, build and run my product. And it's the same thing. Um, and we look at your recurring customers, your, you know, how, how frequently, you know, what's your churn rate, what's your net dollar retention. We can help you advance up to, up to two years of your, uh, of your recurring billing. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's the way that we work with, uh, with SaaS businesses. Very cool. 
Um, touching on something you brought up at the beginning regarding VC, um, an alternative that I'm sure people have heard about nowadays is the equity crowdfunding. And I know last week it was where the Reg CF, you could raise up to $5 million and then the Reg A plus you can raise up to 75 million. What's your thoughts on crowdfunding, equity crowdfunding, and just that whole sector of um, raising capital? Yeah, I think, um, you know, look, I think it depends on your uses of fund. I, the, the thing that I always encourage entrepreneurs to think about is match your sources and uses of funds, right? And, and you got to figure out if you're investing in R&D, then, you know, equity is a really good, if you're investing in R&D and product development, equity is a great option, right? It's probably the right, because you could invest, you know, half a million dollars and it may not turn into anything, right? Or it may take five years for it to, to break even. And that's, that's where you want to be spending your equity dollars. Yep. Um, if you're investing in things that are repeatable and scalable, then there are better alternatives, right? And, and that's what we're trying to develop at ClearBank. And so, you know, once you've decided, hey, I'm investing in R&D and product development, and so I want to raise equity, then it's just about what's the what's the easiest and most favorable path for me to raise equity? You know, do I go talk to a VC? Do I go talk to angels? Do I go to an equity crowdfunding platform? Um, you know, those those make you know those make sense in different situations. Um, but step one is make sure that you're not raising equity for for the wrong purposes because the challenge with equity is you can never get it back, yeah. right? Once you've sold equity, like you have shareholders and you've got to you know you've got obligations to those shareholders and you, they're going to have demands um, and effectively you have a boss. Right. And so, you know, maybe if you're doing it through a crowdfunding, you've got, you know, 100 bosses, but they're all very small. And so that might be a little bit easier. Um, but then you also have to manage those those hundred shareholders. And uh, and so it's not you know, it's kind of a one directional. You know, it's a, it's a one way street when you choose to raise equity and, and you want to be very deliberate about it and 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 the uses of, of that equity capital. Very cool. How have you guys adapted this year in 2020 with everything that's happened, COVID, working remotely? How have you grown from that and what have you learned? Yeah, it's, um, you know, I think being a Zoom CEO is one, <laughs> one skill that I never thought I would need to develop. Yep. Uh, you know, it's funny, I, uh, I had to eat my words probably a year ago today. Like, you know, I think late late last year I said, we're, you know, we're never going to be a remote company. I was like, the, the magic in the office is yeah. just so powerful, right? And we hire, you know, one of the things about ClearBank, when you talk to anybody on our team, uh, we're all founders, right? Like we think of the company as being built by founders for founders. And so every single person in the company has their own founder story. Maybe they came from an entrepreneurial family and their family moved to you know, Canada or America and started a business. Uh, maybe they've, they've had been running a side business. Maybe they started you know, a, a club or a nonprofit in school, but they've all, they've all been through that process of, creating something out of nothing. And they know how hard that is. And so there's a ton of uh, passion and empathy for you know, the, the, the portfolio companies and the, and the customers. And I remember being so driven by that passion and creativity. Uh, and I was like, well, this will never translate into a remote world. <laughs> and here we are, 2020, and we've been forced to. And I think the team has really adapted really well. I don't know how well I've adapted, to be honest, <laughs> but the team has adapted really well to uh, to translating that uh, that enthusiasm, that passion, and you know, organizing their lives around it. So I think um, that's probably been the biggest adjustment is just our ability to collaborate and communicate. Um, you know, we've had to we've we've brought on some great leaders who who yep. have done this before. Um, you know, because remote communication is a different skill set. It's a different muscle that I I hadn't developed, um, and so we had to look externally and bring in some some fantastic people there. Um, but look, the nice thing is our model had never required, you know, we didn't require, in, you know, face-to-face -face meetings or, in, you know, it's all data-driven. And so yep. 
you know, we hadn't, from a business standpoint, we hadn't missed a beat, right? Like e-commerce has just blown up. Yep. Um, a lot of VCs have, you know, a lot of VCs and banks and other sources of funding have really had to scramble because it required you meeting or going into an office and, you know, like all of that structure, like we never had that. And so, you know, from a business standpoint, it's actually been, been, you know, really good. Um, and we've had, we've had, you know, the data to be able to help, help continue to and accelerate uh, through COVID to support our customers that are growing. Um, and then from a sort of culture standpoint, we've had to adapt. And, you know, I think, uh, I think, you know, I'm, I'm pretty proud of the team and, and the way they've been able to do that. Very, very cool. When it comes to the two day process of if a founder comes to clear bank and wants to, you know, needs that capital, how is it that you guys can provide funds so quickly? I know that you guys stand on that as being able to do it in a quick manner, but what is it that gives you guys the ability to do that for the people that might have missed that? Yeah, so it's it's really that we're we're plugged into so much data um, that you know. So the process, you know, within minutes, you can plug in your data and you can get an offer, right? And so you get an offer, you look through it, you talk. You, you, we have, you know, you could talk to somebody on our team, on our investment team, if you if you have questions, yep. um, or you can just select one, but. Um, so the offer generation takes very, very, you know, it's very, very quickly. And then once the company's uh, selected the offer, we complete, you know, our, our sort of compliance requirements. So like, do we know, you know, who is this person who are we yeah. sending money to, like all, you know, all of that stuff. Um, and that may take a day or two. Um, but yeah, we turn it around very, very quickly. And so, you know, it's not the, probably one of the biggest things uh, that I found when I was raising capital for, uh, for my businesses was there's this whole process. There's this song and dance of like, let me go pitch you my vision. And like, do you, you know, do I look like a founder that you've backed and made money <laughs> on before? And, you know, like it, there's this whole like sort of subjective component yep. to investment decision-making that we just have ignored. We've been like, look, we just don't think that, that we think that's very biased and we don't think that leads to the best outcomes. Um, and we think that cuts out a huge segment of, you know, what I think are uh, passionate, driven, talented people that are solving really hard problems um, and, and building important businesses because they don't have a warm intro. They don't speak like the people that, yeah. you know, uh, you know, that went to Harvard and raised venture capital and, you know, or they may be building a product that, you know, I don't relate to, right. They might be building a product for, you know, African American women, or they might be building a product for, you know, a certain, like certain group of people, but it doesn't matter. Right. If like, you know, we have yep. a bunch of companies who like, build hair products. Yep. <laughs> I have no reason to, uh, to, to like care about a hair product, but that's okay. Cause they have lots of customers and their customers love them and they know how to find more of them. And so if we, if you just focus on the data, you know, you can, you can build technology to make those decisions for you. You take a lot of the bias out of it. And that's the reason why we've invested in, you know, eight times more women than, yep. than venture capital has. It's the reason why we've invested in founders from every, all 50 States uh, in the U S where, you know, venture capital is really yep. concentrated in, in three or four States. Um, you know, because you, you don't need to, you don't need to look in, you know, you don't need to look like somebody, you don't need a warm intro to us. And so, um, that's the way we've been able to do that uh, much faster. That's, that's amazing, man. When it comes to your background prior to clear bank, I know that you said you, you raised capital for those businesses. I'd love to touch on some of those past businesses and more so how you even started your first business, because a lot of young entrepreneurs listen to this and they may be going through that process right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, um, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was funny. So I studied in engineering. I worked, uh, in strategy consulting for a couple of years. And then I got a call, um, from a guy named Chamath who is uh, head of growth of Facebook. He's now like a very vocal, um, and controversial <laughs> figure. Um, uh, but he's also, he's also Canadian, Canadian immigrant, um, went to Waterloo about 10 years before me. 
and he was starting a company um, called Top Prospect in the talent space, and he was he was building a team yep. for that. And so that's kind of what brought me to Silicon Valley. Was you know I was I was running biz dev for this company that uh, that was basically helping people recruit, helping you know new companies uh, recruit through their network. And it was interesting because I met you know we met you know, we had Andreessen Horowitz that was an investor. We had all these amazing investors. And I met the portfolio, and I met the the team at Slack before they were even Slack. I met wow. the team at Instagram before, you know, and I was like, these people are no different than my friends back in Canada that were starting <laughs> company, right? Yeah. They just happen to be, you know, in the middle of Silicon Valley. They happen to have the network. They happen to have access to capital and media. Um, but in terms of like talent and ambition, they're no different than my friends back home um, that were that were building businesses. And so that was like really sort of the eye opening uh, piece for me was uh, was that there, you know. It's access to opportunity, access to talent, access to capital and network. Um, and if you could do that, you know, I don't think Silicon Valley is monopolized, uh, monopolized entrepreneurial talent. And so that's that was sort of my mission. And 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 so as I, you know, I, I joined, then I joined a Canadian company and, yeah. uh, you know, in the education space and helped uh, help them raise a couple of rounds of funding and help them build a go to market and sales team. Uh, and that was sort of my my role was join a company help them raise capital, help them build up, go to market. And then I was like, well, why are we raising all this money and taking on these board members and giving up control, you know, just to invest in sales and marketing that we know is going to work. And and that was a big part of, uh, that was a big part of the inspiration around ClearBank. Very cool. And with ClearBank now, what does your day-to-day look like when it comes to managing team, especially being remote now? Like where do you spend most of your time nowadays? Yeah, I, um, I'm, uh, I'm very easily distracted. I have a, I have a lot of ideas around what the future of entrepreneurship and, and, and how to fund these entrepreneurs and help them win. And my team actually got me a gumball machine because they were like, <laughs> put all of your ideas in this gumball machine. And when we finish one, you can take a new one out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a lot of my time, a lot of my time brainstorming, a lot of my time, we've structured the team so that we've got general managers for every sort of product line. So one that leads our inventory products and our marketing product and the treasury products and, and different things. And, uh, and so I spent a lot of my time just brainstorming with them thinking through sort of what the, uh, you know, what the market opportunity is and, and, and where they could go. And then probably one of my favorite things to do is uh, like, is put people in like the perfect roles to succeed. And that's always changing because the company's yeah. changing and the market's changing and our strategy. So it's like, all right, let me understand. And if you think of every person as like a little jigsaw puzzle, uh, puzzle piece, and then you've just got to slot them in the right role. So we've had, you know, we've had people who, you know, have been not doing like, you know, they're super talented. We hired them for a reason, but for whatever reason, sort of the company is like evolved and they're, they're sort of like yep. drowning in their current role. And I'm like, well, what if you just changed your role a little bit and like moved it to the side and like got rid of this stuff and added this stuff. And then all of a sudden you put them in the right spot and they like do incredibly well. Um, that's like one of my favorite, like, it's like the satisfying click in the, like, you know, in the, in the puzzle. <laughs> Um, yep. and so that's one of my favorite things. I actually try and spend a lot of time doing that. And I do that for myself. I sort of think through like, Hey, you know, as CEO, I'm like, there's parts of my job that I'm not very good at. And so let me like, let me find somebody <laughs> who's going to love that stuff and be way better. And let me focus my time on the things that, that I really love. Uh, and so, you know, that's, that's, I, I would think that's probably a big chunk of my time is just spending time with the team, understanding what the match is between what people love doing, what they're really good at and what the company needs and shaving off and adding to the roles in the organization uh, to make sure that, that everybody is sort of like firing at all cylinders. Yep. I love that, man. How big is the team now at ClearBank? So we're just about 250 people. 250. Wow. Yeah, that's, I'm sure being remote has been a challenge. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, we've hired close to 100 people since we've been remote. And so okay. it's, uh, you never know how, you don't know how tall anybody is. Um, yeah. It's funny because you see them on these like Zoom boxes and I'm like, can't wait to meet these people in person. Uh, but uh, but yeah, that's been, that's definitely been interesting for sure. Okay. Absolutely. I, I read somewhere that you compared ClearBank to SoftBank and obviously they're very different in their approach, VC to investing into sales and inventory. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that because obviously ClearBank, I've heard of them just in the news. I don't have any association with them, but what's yeah. the comparison there and how are they different for founders? Yeah. I mean, look, I think our, I think what I, what I was saying like was like, we want to be bigger than SoftBank, right? I think that's, as we start to think through SoftBank, you know, they, they raised a hundred billion dollars and they invested yeah. in like 10 companies, right? We want to be a hundred billion, you know, but we want to invest it into, you know, 10 million companies, right? Like that's, yeah. that's our vision is I think what they did was they sort of like completely disrupted the way that, that, you know, we thought about venture capital and how it worked. I don't know if that strategy worked, but we want to rethink the way the capital is allocated to founders and entrepreneurs. Um, I think the big difference is we want to use technology to, you know, there's no way we could hire people to go and meet 10 yeah. million entrepreneurs <laughs> in the world. Um, so, so we need to use, you know, technology and, and infrastructure to be able to do that at scale. Um, but we want to have, you know, a meaningful impact, uh, and reshape, you know, like shake up the way that, that entrepreneurs think about how to fund their business. Yeah, absolutely. And when, when you say technology, are you referring to AI? Is that a big component on what you guys do? Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, it's a really important component. So to date, we've used a lot of AI in helping founders make better decisions around or in, in helping us understand sort of what the revenue will look like and yep. you know, make those investment decisions. Now what we're starting to do is actually repackage that and help help the founders that we back make better decisions with how to spend that money. So it's like, hey, did you know that, you know, you're in the top 10% of, you know, from a from a uh, click through rate on your ads? but you're in the bottom 10% on the conversion rate on your website. And so stop spending your time and energy on ad creative, yeah. right? And, <laughs> and start spending time on, you know, your website optimization and, you know, your, your page load times and those things that drive conversion on your, on your site. Cause your people love your ads. They're just not, they're not buying. Yep. Uh, and so, you know, we're, we're, and we're starting to, because we have so much data and because we've seen so many businesses, we can very accurately benchmark and say, look, here's what you can do. And by the way, here's a partner of ours that's actually done this for 10 other companies that look like you. Um, and so that's sort of the next phase is uh, using that AI um, to basically help help people, you know, just just put our thumb on the scale for, for yep. our founders and help them give them a, you know, an unfair advantage. Love that for sure. Um, I, I want to go back into when you were in college, did you go to college? What did your early childhood look like? If we were to take a big step back for a second. Yeah. So I, uh, so yeah, I was born in India. My family moved to, we lived in Chicago for a couple of years and then moved to Canada when I just started school. Um, and I studied engineering. I loved cars in high school. Okay. Um, you know, so I was like, I'd always, I'd always been an entrepreneur. Um, and, and like, I, you know, I started like mowing lawns and walking dogs or whatever, yeah. you know, whatever I could do to like earn some money to go to the movies with my friends. I remember that stuff. And, uh, and I, you know, I was like, okay, someday I'm going to buy a car. Right. And I was like, yeah. well, I love cars. It was like super, I was kind of a gearhead. And I studied engineering, um, really to like build and design cars. Okay. Um, and I think my first internship when I was 18 years old in, in engineering school was a GM. And I was okay. like in the, you know, I was like working with robots that were doing the welding on the, uh, and paint uh, the cars. And I loved the work. Like I loved building stuff, but I just realized like how far away I was and I was ever going to be from like the direction of where GM was going to go as a company. Right. Yeah. I was like, okay, like 
you know, do I want to be a plant manager? What is that like? You know, what is that career path? Uh, and so I, I kind of realized that the startup and entrepreneurial path was the only place where I could get my hands dirty, like actually, you know, do stuff, right? Yeah. You know, write code, like build things, um, be an individual contributor, but also influence the strategy of, of a company. Um, and yeah. I think, you know, I think in a big organization, it's hard to do both. You can, you can be involved in strategy, but then you don't get your hands dirty. You can be involved in like building, but you actually don't influence the strategy. So that was a big part of the motivation was I love the engineering side of my brain, but I also like the impact and, and sort of, you know, where things could go. Yeah. When did you make that decision to just let go of GM and dive into the entrepreneur space? Yeah, it was, I mean, it was over the course of, you know, so I did, um, one of the nice things about Waterloo when I went to school was you get to do these internships over time. And so, you know, every four months I was going to do another full-time internship. So I tried a whole bunch of different internships. I did one at McKinsey, which really opened my eyes to what the strategy looked like. But, you know, it, at the end of the day, it was like, look, I'm, I'm building PowerPoint slides and Excel models, but I'm not yeah. actually building, like, you know, I'm not accountable to those results. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so I think it was, I got, I got a flavor of the building at GM. I got a flavor of the strategy at McKinsey and I was really looking for, you know, the perfect combination of both. Um, and that's where I was like, I've got to go into startups because yep. uh, that was, that was the only, the only way to meld them. Yeah. Love that. When it comes to the future of VC funding, I know that you guys are very different than that. What are, what are some of the downsides that you would tell entrepreneurs to watch out for? Because, you know, nowadays there's so many different ways to um, bring in funds to your business, whether that's just selling your product or raising through crowdfunding or going to a VC or now using a platform like ClearBank. Just what are some of the downsides of VC or benefits that you've seen personally? And what's your advice to just entrepreneurs going to raise capital um, that, you know, it's their first time doing so? Yeah. So I think, you know, one of the, one of the challenges, the, the VC business model, um, requires an exit, first of all. So like they yep. sit on, you know, they own part of your company and they need to get their money back somehow. So yep. at some point they're going to say, when are you exiting the business, right? When are you selling or when are you IPOing? Um, and you've got to have an answer. Um, and that, that timeline may not line up with your, your investors timeline. Um, and then I think, you know, what they try with, with what VC is designed to do is say, look, I've got, you know, we've got this really smart person that's accomplished all these great things. We're going to package this person with some money and this is the deal. Yeah. Right. And, and I think like, it'd be interesting if you could disaggregate that and say, Hey, can I just pay for the person? Like, can I get you as a consultant or an advisor or, you know, a coach um, or an independent board member? And then can I just get the capital? Like, can I actually sort of disaggregate this and, and venture capital is sort of like yeah. bundle it all together. Um, the real challenge though, is you, it's, it's a marriage, right? So once you've sold equity in your company, you're, you're kind of stuck with that investor and that firm forever, uh, especially if they sit on your board. And, you know, I remember my last business uh, prior to ClearBank, we sort of, we ran a, a really, you know, we needed a bunch of money. Uh, it was a hardware company yep. and we were launching and we needed to buy a bunch of inventory and make a bunch of investments and tooling and all of this stuff. And we're like, okay, well, let's run a six week process. Let's meet every investor we can. Um, and we took the investor that gave us the best terms. We didn't really know them. Yeah. Um, and they joined our board. And, you know, a few months later, we had a board meeting and we missed some numbers and they were like, look, we're just going to fire the whole management team and bring in our own people. Wow. Uh, and, and that was sort of, you know, that was the end of it. And, Did and they I do that? that can go. Yeah. And that was, you know, that, wow. I was like, I was left without a job pretty quickly. Um, so I remember, you know, I was hired to go and raise, raise the round of funding, uh, raise the round. And I was like leading the go to market. And yeah, one board meeting, we basically, you know, came out of it and the board was like, nope, you're out. 
and so, you know, I think that was, that was pretty eye-opening for me. It was definitely a humbling moment. Um, yeah. and, uh, and I think for me, I was like, well, this, you know, I sort of, you know, played back the previous year of my life and how I got there. And I was like, oh man, we like, so, you know, so from, from that point on, we've really only taken on investors, uh, you know, in ClearBank is people that I have a lot of trust. Yeah. Um, and I've you know probably known for a long time. I've established trust and, and I've thoroughly, thoroughly referenced. Um, so I've just been very, we've just been very, very, um, you know, judicious about the partners that we take on because yeah, once yep. you give up equity, you don't get it back. Yep, absolutely. When it comes to being involved with different companies early on and being an investor in them, What's your advice to entrepreneurs when it comes to building their team initially to get prepared to whether they go raise a round of funding or go through a platform like ClearBank? Like, what's your advice for the setup for that founder? Yeah, when I mean, when you talk about team, I think um, a lot of it, the way that I've done it has been start with yourself and sort of say, look, how do I want to spend my day, right? What are the things yep. that, if, you know, when I wake up and I look at my calendar, what are the things I want more of and what are the things I want less of? And let me start to reshape my my role so that I'm doing more of the things that I like and less of the things that I don't like because I'm going to be good at the things that I like doing. Yep. And let me go find somebody who likes doing the stuff that I don't like. Um, and that's effectively the way that you know we've we've brought on people. We brought on uh, you know a CFO that uh, you know has been a fantastic partner for us through what has been like a crazy year yep. because he just loves doing all the stuff that you know Michelle and I are not good <laughs> at. And uh, and that's been sort of the way that we've we've evolved the business. Um, and then I think the other part of it is just, you know, like it's this, this combination of aligned sort of values, but probably differing perspectives and experience, right? I think sometimes people fall into the trap of, you know, I want to hire my friends who all agree with me and we'll have a lot of fun. Um, we've certainly hired, you know, close friends and, and, uh, and, and people that we've grown up with, but, uh, but I think it's gotta be, you know, in a lot of ways you want people that that share your values and share the passion for the, the mission and the destination, um, but are going to challenge you. Right. And, yep. and there's going to be a lot of friction. You know, they're going to come in with different perspectives. I think that's one of the most important things is, um, is creating that healthy discourse. Um, Cause often, you know, if there's a lot of mutual respect, but differing opinions you usually go come to a better answer, right. You know, uncover opportunities you wouldn't have otherwise seen. Absolutely. Last question before we wrap this up, Andrew, and that is just looking forward into the future. What are you most excited about at ClearBank and what should the people listening today expect? Yeah, I think, um, you know, we're we're just getting started, right? I mean, we've, we've backed 3,300 businesses. That's like, we're just scratching the surface around, you know, the product offerings that we can yeah. have for every type of business across, you know, across the stack. Um, and what I'm really excited about is, is taking sort of that, you know, that special sauce of venture capital, right? That is like, you know, with capital combined with advice, combined with a network and productizing it and scaling it, right? And so really saying, look, we've, we have a very, very powerful network of partners and an ecosystem. We have a ton of data that we can actually package into advice and insights. And then obviously we have capital, um, but sort of thinking about that from a platform and product standpoint, instead of a people-centric approach, um, because, you know, venture capital only scales with the number of smart people that you can hire to be VCs. Yeah. And they only have so much time in the day to meet so many founders, to sit on so many boards. Um, we want to sort of decouple that whole thing and say, look, we want to actually be partners with you. Um, you know, if you're, if you're a great founder with an ambitious uh, objective, we don't have the constraints that a VC does in terms of, you know, headcount and time. Yeah. Uh, and so that's sort of the next chapter. 
uh, is kind of putting our thumb on the scale uh, and helping, you know, helping shift the balance of power. And I think I always talk, talk to our team about this, but like for all of history, the, the people with the money got to decide what got built, right? The, which castles got built, which roads yeah. got built, which universities and which projects get funded at those universities. And I think for the first time, it's really the people with the ideas and the people with the energy and the risk appetite, they get to decide what gets built. And the capital is just a, you know, it's just a, a commodity in that whole ecosystem. And we yeah. want to help accelerate that. I love that. Well, where is the best place where everyone can follow you and follow ClearBank if they don't already? Yeah, so you can find me on uh, on Twitter at Andrew D'Souza or on LinkedIn. Uh, and then just, you know, head, out, head over to clearbank.com. Uh, send us an email and uh, and we'd be happy to help. Uh, you can sign up. Actually, you can sign up right on the website and some, you know, you can, you can basically take access. Yeah, awesome. Take, take an offer there. Yeah. Amazing. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. This, I had a great time. This is great. Thanks so much, Casey. Appreciate it. Yep.